0: Well, good morning, church. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We are heading into a kind of a new section of the scripture uh, this morning in Colossians. We're turning a page here to kind of a new focus uh, as we look at uh, this book. And as you recall, uh, we have titled this series of walking through Colossians, Christ exalted over all. And the most important thing for us, right, is that we keep Jesus at the center. And all throughout this beginning of Colossians, Paul's made it very clear that Jesus rules over all. Jesus should be preeminent. Jesus, in other words, should be first place in our lives. And what was happening in the church is that there were these teachers coming in trying to add to Jesus. And remember, last week, uh, we walked through this uh, formula Jesus plus nothing equals what? everything, right? We have everything we need in Christ. But the temptation, even for us, is to add to it. As we saw last week, there are three things, three temptations that were coming their way. And if we're not careful, we can fall into these things too. Things like legalism, where we are making up rules that we need to follow in order to be made right with Christ, apart from the fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, We're not saved because we add these other rules. Those are the rules. (laughs) By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're saved that way. Uh, We're also, if we're not careful, we can be caught up in mysticism. Mysticism is this idea that we can have some kind of super spiritual communion with God that nobody else has access to. Or somehow that apart from God's word, we need something else. We need something else in order to have this experience with God as if his word and his spirit working through us is not enough. But God's given us his word. We can meet with the Lord through that avenue. And if we're not careful, we can also fall into things like asceticism. Asceticism is like this false humility that that if we don't eat certain kind of foods, if we abstain from alcohol, uh, all these. We can even think that if we make ourselves poor and we do away with all finances and, and, and live that way, that somehow God's going to love us more through that. But we know that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Christ is exalted over all. Well, the first two chapters of Colossians focus... More on like the doctrine, like doctrinal things, doctrinal truths. We need to get the foundation of Christ right. If we don't have the right foundation, then we are setting ourselves up to crumble when the storms come. Get the right foundation. Christ exalted over all. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You're probably going to get sick of me saying that if you come to this church long, Because we need that foundation. We cannot afford to build on something else than Jesus. So now that we have established that foundation, Paul is moving over into putting that doctrine into practice. If Christ is exalted over all... That should make a ginormous influence in our lives. We should live differently because we're exalting him over everything. And so this morning, here's what I want to focus on this morning. Living a Christ-exalted life. How do we live a Christ-exalting life? We know that Jesus is central. We know that Jesus is over all things. Now how do we exactly put that into practice? And what we see here in the first part of chapter 3, we see some things that we need to remember. Things that we need to recall to mind in order to live that Christ-exalting life. And so let's jump in this morning, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. And, Lord, I do pray, even as we sang this morning, that we would abandon everything for Christ. God, give us a heart abandoned for you alone, God, that you would be central, that we would exalt you over everything in our lives. But, Lord, we need help. We need help in this journey because we forget. We have human minds who don't recall the things that we need to recall and often focus on the things that we should not be focusing on. So God, I pray for your grace and for your mercy this morning is that we look at what a Christ-exalting life looks like, Lord, that you would bring to remembrance everything that we need to live in such a way that honors and glorifies you. And So Lord, I pray as I speak that you would Give me the words to say that you would remind me of everything that I've studied that's fruitful for maturity in Christ and protect me from saying things that would trip people up or make things confusing. And Lord, give us the gift of illumination that you would open our eyes and our hearts to your word and what you have for us here in this text. And God, I pray that it would produce in us a Christ-exalting life. I thank you that your spirit is with us And show up in power now. Meet with us as you already have this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what does it take to live a Christ-exalting life? The first thing is this. We need to remember your standing. Remember your standing. Look at verse 1 again in chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ... What a great way to start. This is, this, by the way, this raised is this understanding of really a co-resurrection. If you have been co-resurrected with Christ, we know that Christ died on the cross for our sin, and then he rose again. And if that's true, that we have been resurrected with Christ, this is not a question of, well, if that's happened. Like, hey, if you go to the, your car today and happen to go to Walmart, can you grab something for me? That, that's, that's a, that might happen. That's not this kind of if-then statement. This is a if-then. This is actually true. I think a, a better translation that maybe would help us understand would be since. So believers in Christ, since you have been raised with Christ. Do you realize that's our standing this morning? If you have repented of sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that you have died to your sins and you have been resurrected with Christ. This is... Something that has happened to us upon our repentance. So what does it actually mean that we have been resurrected? What is Paul saying? He's saying this, that your standing now is with Jesus. God looks at you and views you as redeemed. He reviews you as righteous. The righteousness of Christ has been placed upon you. Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. It is our position with him. He considers us saved, rescued, a believer in Christ, free from the power of sin. This is ours if we've repented. And the fact that we've been raised with Christ means that at some point we died. At some point, we faced death. And the reason Jesus died was because of our sin, right? He hung on the cross not because of his own sin. He wasn't facing the punishment that he deserved. He was facing the punishment that we deserved. It was us that should have been up on that cross. It was us that should have had the wrath of God poured on us. And yet God poured his wrath on his son that we would be made right with him. And upon our Repentance, our understanding of sin, and our turning to Jesus, we then die to our sin. But if you're like me, you ask the question, then why do I still live as though I can't get past sin? Why do I still wrestle through it? Well, here, here's what it means that we have died with Christ, that we've been raised with Him. It means that we have broken any connections that we had with the values. And the life of this present world. And our resurrection with Christ united or connected us with a new way of living. A new set of values. We no longer value the things that the world values. We may struggle with them. But we now have the power to do away with sin and to live in these new values. To live for the glory of God alone. Not for my glory which is what we're all accustomed to when we are born in this world. Colossians 2, 5, 7, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians five seventeen says uh, that the old way of living has passed away. Behold, the new way of living has come. And so as believers in Christ, we experience things like conviction of sin, which is an absolute gift from him. That when we go astray, that when we start building our foundation on something else, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Holy Spirit will not let you continue on in that sin. That's because you've died to sin and it no longer feels right. It no longer feels natural. Do you ever wonder why the world loves sin? The world loves sin because it's alive to sin. And so, as believers in Christ, we should not be surprised when the world values the things of this world, it's their nature. We have a new, We have something new in us because we've been raised with Christ. We have a new standing before God. And so, therefore, we are convicted of sin. We see the world and we hate the sin. We hate death. We hate abortion. But the world doesn't understand those things. But we need to remember our standing before God. It helps us too, right? Because we have seasons where we can find ourselves going astray. Where we can find ourselves, like... Dabbling in the things of this world. And when we remember our standing, wait a minute. Christ already paid the sin for this. Why do I want to keep doing this when Christ took care of the power over sin? The only power that sin has over us is the power that we give it. Are we feeding into that sin or are we dying to it? The only power comes when we give ourselves over to it. But it no longer rules over us. And so what Paul is saying here is don't forget the doctrine I've taught you. Christ is exalted over all. Christ plus nothing equals everything. We have this new standing with Christ. Don't go back to the things of this world. It's really sort of how marriage begins. Uh, we had a bunch of younger couples over our house a couple weeks ago, and just kind of reminiscing on our our honeymoon in the beginning. and And so the way our honeymoon began is we went to uh, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area. Everybody ever been there? Just beautiful area. Love, love that area. And I remember the first night we were there, uh, it was pouring down rain, and we actually even heard of flooding in Tennessee. And so we're we're having dinner at this Italian restaurant, just wondering what do the days ahead kind of hold for us, and we told our waitress that uh, we had, it was on a honeymoon, and, and we had just gotten here, and she's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. It's supposed to rain all week long. And we're like, oh, great. And Nikki just kind of burst out into tears, and, and, and she expressed to me, and, and really, this is very common to all, like, many women on their honeymoon where she missed her family. She missed her parents, and I'm like, well, honey, like, you've died to your parents. now. You're alive to me. <laughs> And the truth is, right, for many of us in our marriage, like, like there is, like, this new way of living that it's hard to kind of get used to. But she would tell you this, and I would tell you this, that we wouldn't go back. There's no way. My parents wouldn't let me, first of all. (laughs) But there is no way I would want to go back to that living. And the more we experience crisis that way, too, like, we've we've died to that way. I I don't run to my parents anymore. God has given me this greater gift than being stuck at home. Kids, it's okay. It's really great to be at home, by the way. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. Our standing, we have this new standing that is greater than our standing that was before. We have died to the things of this world. We have now come to life in Christ. Believers in Jesus, you want to live the Christ-exalted life? Remember your standing. You're no longer characterized by sin that this amazing thing has happened. That when God looks at you, this blows my mind because I am still a wretched sinner some days. When God looks at us, if we have truly repented and trusted in Christ for salvation, that when he sees us, he sees Jesus. That is our standing with him. Don't forget that. That leads us into the second thing that we should remember. Remember your calling. Remember your calling. Look at verse 1 again, the second part there. If you've, if you've been raised with Christ, which we have, so since that's true, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Christian, remember your Calling. So you have your standing. Our standing has been made true. We are with Christ. We now have the righteousness of Christ. Nothing we can do can earn that. Nothing we do will disearn that, right? We talked about that last week. We can't, like, now that we've earned favor with God through Jesus, we cannot now do something that would cause us to go to where we are not right with God. That is once and for all True. And so in light of that true standing, now live a certain way. You have a new calling. And first, first, our calling is to seek, it says. Seek the things that are above. And this seek is not a a one-time thing. This is a continual seeking after him. We keep doing it. We don't stop. And your version may have in there, if you have the NIV, I think it says this: it says, Set your hearts on things above. Now, there is no Greek word for heart here, but what that helps you understand is that this seeking is about our will, it's about our desires. Seek, go after, set your will to be, I'm going after Jesus. I'm going after the things that are above. I'm setting my desires. My affections are on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. We have this new desire. We can't go after the things of this world because we've died to them. Why would we do that? We have this standing with Jesus. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated, it says, at the right hand of God. This is a major significant thing here. The current reader, the, those who are in this time frame when Paul wrote this letter would have a very clear understanding of what he meant when he said, seated at the right hand of God. This is not like a, a position, like this is not a location where Jesus is at, as much as it is a position of power. To be at the right hand of God, was to, to be at the right hand of a king would be to be one of great value, one of highest honor. And so, the picture for us here is that seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Christ, He's the one who is honored, who is valued over all. He's at the right hand of God. You can't get higher than Jesus. He's the one that we should be setting our affections on, setting our will towards. So, what does that mean for us? It means that we seek the one who reigns, we seek after His purposes. What's the mission of our church? Glorify God. Right? Everything we do is for what? It's for His glory. We go to work to do what? To display His glory. That means we work hard. It doesn't mean we're lazy because we're thinking about heavenly things. We work the hardest of anybody there because we're not working for a paycheck. We're not working to impress our bosses. We're working in such a way where God is glorified and honored. We seek His purposes. His plans, what does he have for us? Sometimes his plans aren't what we want, are they? Often they're not. And often he leads us into directions, he leads us down paths that lead us to places that we never would have gone before. But in our faithfulness to Christ, he's led us there. What is his plan for you? We seek the one who has all power. And then we also view everything through the eyes of Christ. We view things with an eternal perspective. When we seek the things of the above, it looks drastically different than the things of this world, right? The world values very different things. And we must be sure that we set our affections on Christ because desire drives us, doesn't it? What we set our hearts on will drive us one way or another. And we are called to seek the things that are above. And not only do we seek the things, not only do our will and affections do we bend them towards Jesus, but we also set our minds on things above, as it says there in verse 2. Set your minds. This is continuous as well. This means to think. Fill your thinking with the things of God. Your inner disposition is one that focuses on the things of the Lord. Hold your view on to Jesus, right? Set your mind on it. Hold it in your view. Paul, what Paul is saying then is, hey, look, your, your nature, you're going to want to go back to your old nature. You're going to want to start thinking of the things of this world. You're going to be tempted. You're going to have hard things come, and you're going to remember the life before, right? Remember the Israelites when God led them out of Egypt? Remember how how often they complained in the desert? Like, remember Egypt? Like, we had food. We had such good things and neglecting all the negative things that had happened. That's That's what can happen for us. So we need to intentionally put time and energy into setting our minds on the right things. And I love what Philippians 4, 8 says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Living a Christ-exalting life means having Christ-exalted thinking. The reason why so many people struggle in their faith is because they don't spend their time thinking on things above. What happens when all of our thinking is focused on things of this world? That's where anxiety comes. That's where despair and fear and anger is because our attention has been taken off of the exalted Christ and focused on the things of this world. Not this week even. I found myself like, Nearly overcome in anxiety, just allowing some things that were going on to flood my thoughts, to captivate my heart. And then I'm studying the scriptures and God is saying, Ben, what are you setting your mind on? You're setting your mind on things of this world. And so then as I began to pray through that, I was reminded of one of my favorite, I mean, there's so many, I have so many favorites, but uh, Psalm 27.1, I love this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Where do you find your hope? What has rescued you? Who has rescued you? And if Jesus is the creator, if Jesus is all-powerful, if Jesus is supreme, if he is exalted over all, and I am in Christ, then who am I to fear? Believer, who do you have to fear? Maybe, you, maybe all weekend long you've been dwelling in anxiety because you know that you are facing a conversation with a boss, your boss this, this week, that you're dreading. But listen, believer in Christ, the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom shall you fear? The Lord is the stronghold of your life. Of whom shall you be afraid? Maybe you did screw up and maybe you might face serious consequences. But Jesus will never leave or forsake those of whom he has rescued. Remember your calling. God has given us what we need For life and godliness. He's given us what we need to make it through these trials that we face. We've been singing a song from, based off Psalm 46, 1 through 3. This is what Psalm 46 says. Something that I've loved this song of just remembering, remembering. It's been going through my mind and I'm setting my thoughts on things above. Setting my mind on things above, not on earthly things. God is our refuge and strength. The very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Even now, if the floors in here started to tremble and an earthquake came and rattled our country, what the psalmist here is saying is that our refuge is not based on things of this world. Our refuge and strength does not come from a healthy bank account. Our refuge and strength doesn't come on having good health. Our refuge and strength doesn't come from our earthly relationships all being in a place of peace. God is our refuge and strength. We need to be watching what we are thinking. We need to Change our way of thinking if it's leading us to a place of despair or fear. Because in Christ there is no fear, right? Perfect love casts out what? All fear. Set your minds on things above. Paul is saying turn your thoughts towards Jesus. He is our refuge and our strength. Even if our fears come true, even so... God is our stronghold. And isn't it true that most often our greatest fears, even if they do come true, usually they don't. And it's never as bad as we make it out in our minds, is it? Regardless, regardless though, aren't we just passing through? This world is not our home. Set your mind on things above. Remember your calling. Seek the things that are above. Seek the ways of the Lord. Cast aside those things that lead to fear and trembling. Here's the third thing that we need to remember. Look at verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember your Savior. Remember your Savior. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. Don't set your affections or your thoughts on temporal things. Why? Because you've already died to them. Don't give in to the flesh. Those are things of the past, right? That's what we talked about last week. Be careful of those things. Be careful of rules and regulations that take us away from the foundation of Jesus. Remember, you've died to them. And your life, it's hidden with Christ. Now, what does that what exactly does that mean? It's hidden with Christ. Does that mean like we're undercover? Like no one can see us? Or maybe sometimes we approach this like nothing bad's gonna happen to us now, because I'm a king's kid. Right? King's kids get all the blessings, prosperity, health, wealth. That's a gospel that's going out there that is garbage, that only leads us astray. Jesus never promised us that life would be perfect, right? Anybody get saved and life just, you live happily ever after? Great fairy tales, but not real life. (laughs) Jesus paid for these things. He paid for us. We're hidden in Him, but it doesn't mean that life is going to go as we want it with ease and comfort. What it does mean is that He's made us new and when the world looks at us there's a veil that they just, they can't see Christ because they don't have any reference in their minds of Christ and so when they see you live differently it's confusing it's puzzling to them how how could you live differently when i see i was just talking to a brother earlier who lost his wife and as tragic and horrible as it is that it is it's terrible that there's death Like there was a joy that he had, and that kind of joy the world does not understand. We are hidden with Christ. It doesn't make sense to the world. Remember when we talked about being rooted in Christ, you can't see the foundation of a building you can't see the roots of a tree but you can tell if a tree is strong right you can tell if a building is built well because it lasts for years you can tell a Christian is rooted in Christ because when tragedy comes when hard things come they remain unmoved but you know too many people are hidden but they're not hidden in Christ and and so often uh, I see Christians who are more like Superman now any Superman fans here like the old 70s and 80s movies. Love those movies. You know, you got this, this goofy Clark Kent who looks no different than the world. And, and then when they need a superhero, all of a sudden here comes Superman. Nobody knows it's Clark Kent. And then when things settle back down, he goes back into hiding. And you, you don't know where Superman is. They don't know who Superman is. And so often we can be like that. We can hide our identity but only when it's time to make a big stand on truth or something like that. We want to be a hero, then we come out. That's not what hidden in Christ means. It doesn't mean we hide our identity of who we are in Jesus. Let me just recall to you what Matthew five fourteen through 16 says. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is an amazing thing. When I I hear people come to me and say, "Ben, you are such a godly man, if, if that does happen, I'm like floored. What do you mean? Have you watched the way I've lived this week? What is that? We're hidden in Christ. And if anyone ever comes to you and says, thank you for your example in Jesus Reflect it back to Christ, right? That's what we're called to do. Give glory to the Father who somehow is working through you. That's the way I think we should approach it. I don't know that you, I don't understand why you would see that. All glory to God. That's what it means to be hidden in Christ. And when other believers look at you, they don't see you, they see Christ working through you. Let your light shine. Do people look at you at your jobs, in your neighborhoods? Do they see a difference in you? Or are you like every other person? No difference. To live a Christ-exalted life means that we remember Jesus. He paid the price for our sin. And at that moment of salvation, he gives us his spirit who guides and directs us, conforming us to the image of his son. What do you look like? Remember what Jesus has done for you and that this has nothing to do with your performance. How can, how can we be boastful? Like a proud Christian should be the most oxymoronic thing in the world, right? <laughs> because we did nothing to earn our salvation, and therefore, we have nothing to boast in. Paul said, I have nothing to boast in but Jesus. And when we remember our Savior and what he's done, we can't help but be humbled, and we also can't help but live differently. But the fact that so many people look like the world, it's no wonder that today the church can sometimes be so ineffective and its presence virtually absent in today's society. May we be a church that goes out not reflecting gospel community church, but may we be a church that goes out and reflects Christ. And that when people sees us living in a different way. Because you're hidden in Christ. Because you've been captivated by him. You've remembered your Savior. And really that leads us to the last point here. So, first of all, what we want to remember is our standing. We have been raised with Christ. Seated us in the heavenlies. That standing is finished. That work is done And in light of that, though, we have this calling, right? We have this calling to remember, to seek the things that are above. Set my will, my affections on Christ. Set my mind, my thinking on Christ. Remember your calling. Remember your Savior, that you're hidden with him, and that when people see a difference in you from the rest of the world, it's because of Jesus' work in your life. But also, remember this. Remember your future. Remember your future. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The world is not easy, is it? It's relentless. (laughs) Here we are, all this hope of 2021 being better than 2020. And here we are three weeks in and it's picking off right where it left off, right? The world is a mess. It's a wreck. And sometimes we can put all of our hope in what's going on in this world. We can get full of anxiety and despair because of the things that we see going on. Tired of COVID. Tired of being separated from loved ones. Tired of the conspiracy theories that are going around. Tired of everything. I think we're all there, right? It's a mess. And if And if we continue to turn our eyes on the things of this world, instead of looking and remembering the future, knowing that Jesus is going to come again, and he's going to take us to that glorified state, when we think on those things, that makes a difference dramatically in our lives. Because we're no longer focused on prosperity here. We're no longer, that, and that not that the problem in living in America? I, I feel like, I, I don't know what it's like living in the rest of the world, obviously, I just know what America. But I think it's especially hard here because we are, can be so materialistic. We can be so driven by bigger homes, bigger houses, the next iPhone, the next technology. Now, there's nothing in themselves that is wrong, right? It's not wrong to have a big house. It's not wrong to have a nice car. It's not wrong to have the newest iPhone. The problem is when we allow those things to captivate our hearts, where we have to have them, and we're so focused on the things of this world, and we get caught up in wanting people, wanting their affections. We want them to like us, and we think that the bigger house and the better homes will get other people to like us, and it keeps us from sharing the gospel sometimes because we don't want to offend them, but we need to be reminded of what... Jesus said in John chapter 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do you realize that? The world hates you. If you love Jesus, the world hates you. it hated Jesus, it will hate you. And if we are living for here, we're laying our lives on a foundation that will crumble. Don't let the things of this world consume you. Instead, Matthew 6.19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Our houses can burn. Our cars can be stolen. Our money can disappear. Our jobs can be taken away. Don't lay treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember your future. Your future does not rest here. Things aren't getting better. And Jesus is coming soon. We don't know when, we don't know the time, but we know he's coming back. And when he comes, verse 4, you also will appear with him in glory. That veil will be taken off and people will be able to see Christ and everyone will worship. Do you realize that? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, But for some, it will be too late. Have you bowed your knee to Jesus? Have you surrendered your will and your affections to the Savior who died for you? Listen, Jesus doesn't call call us to himself to take away our freedoms. That's what we think sometimes. We think, well, God just wants to take away my fun. I can promise you this, and I know many of you could promise the same. The treasures of this world are fleeting. And you get it, and it's just not satisfying. You just want a little bit more. I remember, you know, we're going to head up here on, to the Super Bowl soon. Um, Tom Brady, I remember several years ago, got interviewed, and after his third championship or something like that, they asked him, How does it feel? Man, you got all these championships. And he's like, To be honest, I was just like, Is that it? Like, this is it? What a picture! of what this world has to offer it leads us saying is this really it? And Jesus says no. <laughs> Hebrews 13:14 says for here we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come. Remember your future. I know many of you have shed tears. I have shed tears of the sorrows that this world has to offer. So many sorrows. So much pain, so much disease. And anybody here sick of cancer? <laughs> sick of it. But our treasure is not here. Jesus is coming, and when he comes, he is going to wipe every tear. When we enter glory, when he comes back, he's going to say, cry no more. Cancer will be done away with. Broken relationships will be done away with. Sin will be completely done away with for believers in Jesus. So endure, Christian. But listen, if your eyes are focused on prosperity and things going well for you here on this earth, you will not live a Christ-exalting life. We mourn as Christians, but we don't mourn as those without hope. We have great hope. We have a true hope. Our future lies with Christ. And all the suffering that you're dealing with now will be done away with. Amen. So you want to live a Christ-exalted life? You want Jesus to be reigning supreme? Remember your standing. Remember that you have been risen with Christ. The power of sin no longer controls you. Remember your calling in light of your standing in Christ. He calls us to continually seek after him. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things above. Remember your Savior. You're hidden with him. He's making you new. Remember your future. This world is not your home. It won't satisfy. Only Jesus will satisfy. He's going to wipe away your tears. It's going to take away all suffering. Don't fear the one who can take away your body. Fear the one who can take away your soul. And if you find yourself here wrestling with where you stand with Christ, I'd love to spend some time. I'll take whatever time it needs to help you wrestle through that. But you can leave here with full assurance of where you're standing with Christ is. May we be a church that lives a christ Exalting life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I'm amazed. The deeper I get in, the more amazing your truth is, Lord. You have given us what we need to live a Christ exalting life. And God, my prayer is that you would open our eyes to realize that that kind of life is a life worth living. That kind of life is a life that produces everlasting joy. So keep us from being sidetracked from other things. Keep us from being worldly minded. Keep us from building treasures here storing treasures here on earth. Help us to store our treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. Remind us of our future, our standing, our Savior. God, give us a heart abandoned to you. Ever after, you are alone. God, may we say with full assurance, gold and silver, take it. All I want is you, my Lord. God, producing us that kind of life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's sing this in response.